You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast, the voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Welcome to Smart Connect Podcast, the podcast for small to medium sized enterprises. Join your host, Anne Marie Cross, as she interviews business experts and industry thought leaders on best practice initiatives, innovation, and insights to help you grow your business. Now, over to your host. Welcome to Smart Connect Podcast, Episode 10, featuring business experts and industry thought leaders to help you effectively navigate a constantly changing and disruptive marketplace. I'm your host, Anne Marie Cross. Anytime you're talking to someone about your business, whether that be to one person or to a hundred people, you are public speaking. And great speakers and presenters create influence. And with influence, you can change lives. Now, if you want to influence people by honing your presentation and speaking skills, I know just the person you should be speaking to. And I've invited him here on today's show. Joining me on today's show is Fraser Yindal. And Fraser is a communication coach with a focus on leveraging your intellectual property and specific skills into workshops that allow you to spread your message to many at once. Fraser is creating presenters who truly connect with their audience and grow their business, their reach and influence even faster through group formats. Now on today's show, Fraser is going to speak about the simple balance that you can implement when presenting that makes the difference with your audience's retention, conversation and engagement. The one thing that changes the way you present your workshop as well as why any business can run a great workshop as well as grow their business. So welcome to the show, Fraser. And Marie, it's an absolute pleasure to be here with you and the listeners. Thanks for having me. You've got so much insights to share. And I think no matter what size your business and how many people that you've got in your team, running workshops is such a great way to showcase your expertise, engage with potential customers, as well as build you know, lasting relationships with existing customers as well, isn't it? It's just a fantastic way to, to leverage your knowledge and skills, and marie as, as well as your time. Mm. And what I've noticed out there is that there, there are definitely people utilising these but not getting the return that they're looking for because they're just missing a couple of key elements which, which help them really start to engage with the people that they're presenting to and get them to take the next step. So that's become my mission, shall we say, recently. Yes, and I think in today's noisy and disruptive marketplaces, one of the best ways to cut through that noise is to deliver a very engaging, relevant workshop where you really have an opportunity to, as we said, speak in front of multiple people rather than the one-on-one. So it's certainly time and cost-effective and more productive, but also a way because people are are there, they're listening to you, they see you face-to-face if you're doing a a live and in-person. And of course, if you're doing a a webinar or another workshop that's virtual, it certainly can uh, cut through the clutter if you do it well. Yeah, the days of, of people turning up for uh, what we call a pitch fest and just having you tease them for, for 45 minutes, 90 minutes or however long, um, you know, just to get them into programs are definitely passed. And so these days people need to look at how they provide real value and, and real mm. takeaways for the people to use immediately, which starts to give them that understanding of that you are an authority in the industry of what you do and that they can look to buy more from you mm-hmm. has really started to change the results people are getting in their workshops and, and the way people attend them as well, which is really what we're looking for, Anne-Marie, in our business. It certainly is and very exciting too from a prospect of maybe we will be sitting in the audience and we certainly don't want to, to be 
get one of those pitch fests. I'm sure we can all relate. Let's talk about the simple balance, things that we can implement when presenting, and it really is going to make a difference with our audience's retention, conversation, and engagement. And Marie, it's it's fascinating. So many people come to me looking for, for for this answer, looking for what they feel is quite a convoluted or quite complicated answer. And through a lot of the coaching and a lot of the things that I've watched in presentation, it really boils down to a balance of, of just two things. And the first one of those is actually ridiculously simple. People come to see you. Mm -hmm. you they need to know who you are and, and, and see some of your natural personality and see the real person on stage, not a facade or the professional image you think you need to put on. Because that's where the engagement comes from. People engage in a conversation with someone else or in a workshop with someone else in a presentation because they're engaging with the individual. And far too often I watch people try and hide who they naturally are um, to try and be this professional facade they've got in their, in their heads, mm. which puts a wall up between you and your audience and really starts to lose that natural connection engagement that you can get. So the first part of that balance um, is, is is actually just being you. Mm -hmm. it's, it's it's being true to who you are, your values, the way you talk, and there's definitely technique that we can put across all of that. I'm a prime example. I used to talk a bit like an auctioneer at a million miles an hour, and I have had to slow that particular habit down so that people can keep up with me. Mm -hmm. uh, but it hasn't changed who I am as a person. It hasn't changed my values and it hasn't changed the person who's up there on stage. Mm -hmm. The flip side to that, the, the balance that you need to create between being yourself is then creating the structure that you, you, you speak on. Because yes, people have come to hear you and yes, people want to be entertained. They also want to walk away with real value, with real insights. And so when that pendulum swings to the other side, Anne-Marie, I watch people who have a wonderful structure, have all the information, but have just bombarding people with all that. So there's no engagement, there's no discussion, there's no them in it. It is just all content overload mm -hmm. for the audience. When you can understand that you have a very basic structure or a skeleton of what you need to cover and the order that you'll be covering it, and then flick over to, cool, I know my subject, I know what this first dot point is, let me tell you about it. Rather than have that script, you start to create that balance where you can make sure that you're getting the information across to your audience, but you can also remain engaged because you're having a conversation as a natural person. Mm -hmm. And when you can get that balance between those two things, that's when you'll notice your workshops, your presentations and your facilitation starts to really go to a whole new level. Let's talk a little bit more about the who you are. And I think, you know, the, the noise and clutter and often the facade of, of, of things that we see and we hear, we almost become immune to a lot of things and, and communications and messages. What would you say are some of the reasons that prevent people from being authentic and really showing up as themselves? Do you think some of it is to do with nerves? The word I wrote down as you were mentioning that, Anne-Marie, was fear. Um, <laughs> and it's at the base of everything around public speaking and mm. presentation is the fear of, well, let's say it, looking like an idiot. Um, you know, people are worried about not being the best version of themselves. But really, the audience will forgive you for a lot of that. If you've got great stuff to share and, and the small business owners who will be listening to this podcast have got great knowledge to share, when you start to embrace the vulnerability of being human, um, then you start to create that genuine connection. So for me, it's it's about getting around that that fear, I suppose, of 
this will be fine. You know your stuff. Now engage with the audience and have a conversation mm -hmm. and you'll be amazed how well it goes. It won't go perfectly. My presentations don't go perfectly. Let's aim for perfect, but realize that we're going to make a few little mistakes along the way and, and that will be all right with the audience. That, mm -hmm. that lets them into the fact we're human. So it's really moving past that fear into the action stage. And like anything else we do, Anne-Marie, the more we do of it, the more the fear starts to subside rather than gain momentum. Sometimes with people, they have really strong characteristics. For instance, someone might be very humorous, someone might have a real quirky sense of humor. And it's really sad when we hear people say, well, I need to dumb that down. But sometimes when we leverage it in the right way and integrate it really well, have that balance, as you said, that can be the difference between you really engaging and standing out because it's something quite unique about you. Speak a bit more about those those quirkinesses when you really leverage them in a good way. And why I say that is because I hear many people that try and downplay some of those unique talents and characteristics that really, when leveraged well, can just be the difference between a stellar and a, you know, just a so-so presentation. It's certainly correct, Anne-Marie. You're hitting on a, on a great point there. Where I always start these conversations when people ask me, you know, who should I be or, or what should I be doing? It, it's got to start with your audience. So, you know, you've got to understand who your audience are, not so much what they'll find funny, but where's their line in the sand? Mm -hmm. You know, where can you not cross? For some groups, that's going to be different to, to other groups. So once you understand that, then you know where you can start walking, um, especially around humour. I have a lot of uh, people ask me, you know, do I need, how, how do I be funny on stage? And my question is, well, are you funny normally? And they say no. And I'm like, well, you won't be funny on, like, don't try and be something you're not mm. on stage. So it is a case of using your natural sense of humour. The caveat I put on that, um, Anne-Marie, is if, if you don't think 75 to 80% of the audience are going to understand or get the joke, then you don't tell it because you don't want to alienate the 20% who, 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 are, who are not going to be on the same page as you. Mm. Having said that, it is a case, as we came back to earlier, about embracing who you are and being that natural form of yourself, which will endear you to some people and, and uh, alienate you from others, but it means you're standing for something and it means you're heading in a direction and starting to create the public profile of who you actually are. Uh, which a lot of us now have got really high levels of being able to pick falseness in people, I suppose is the polite way to put it. Mm -hmm. um, so when, we, when we're doing that, all the rest of the message that we have gets waylaid by that feeling that the audience have that you're not being your true self. Mm. And that comes across on a subconscious level, so you can't avoid it apart from being yourself, which then doesn't send that subconscious message or mixed message. And once you are clear on some of those uniquenesses and characteristics and allow them just to, to come out naturally, and you really have done a number of presentations and you start to feel more comfortable and the nerves aren't uh, there really inhibiting and restricting you, you then can find it's a relief just to give yourself permission, isn't it, to show up as you, to connect, to share great information that you know is going to impact and influence the audience. And it just seems to work, doesn't it? It just clicks. It's lovely when you can get to that stage where, um, and some people find it hard to believe that you'd ever be excited about being on stage. The, mm. the nerves that you had, and you said it beautifully there, Anne-Marie, is the nerves don't leave you, but they stop inhibiting you. Mm. You get to a stage where the nervousness is, is an excitement sort of tingle in your body rather than screaming at you to not do it. Yes. And when you can start to move past that point, the stage, the presentation platform is such an amazing place to affect and influence even more people in, in whatever cause, message or business that you're in. Mm -hmm. When you get good at that, 
when you embrace that, you'd be amazed how quickly you can get your message out there and grow whatever cause or business is that you are involved with. It's it's the way to leverage everything that you believe. Oh, absolutely. And it's fun. It really is. And for some people, they think fun, public speaking workshops, but everything that you said, absolutely. When you can see the smiles on people's faces and uh, get that feedback, then and if, particularly people who really are purpose driven, aren't they? They're value based. They've got a business that they really and, and a message that they really want to, to share and impact the world can make such an incredible difference. Let's talk about the one thing that changes the way you present your workshop. What is that? I'm so glad you asked, Anne-Marie, because when we talk workshops, and, and this is different to, to keynoting or, or mm -hmm. speaking from stage, for us, there, there are three stages. When you run a workshop, you've got people in close proximity to you. You've got that ability to interact. And I noticed three very different ways that this then happens. And in the initial way, I, I see presenters. I see you've got a room of 20, 40, 50 people, and you just give them information for 90 minutes, and that's what you call your workshop very much a one-way flow of information and it's hard to engage anyone for 90 minutes when you're not giving them the chance to respond. Mm -hmm. When you take that to the next level, what I call workshops, the information flow becomes very much 50-50. So you do half the talking, the audience do half the talking and it's a great way to keep up engagement and keep things moving. But the, the one thing that changes a workshop is when you go to what I call level three and I call it facilitation. Now, this word gets used in a whole heap of different contexts, but in a context around a workshop, it's where there's a much more one-way flow of information, but it's coming from your audience. And you are facilitating the learning that they are having rather than spewing the information onto them. They are driving the room. And what a good facilitator can do is take the questions, take the learning and keep driving through responses and, and more questions where that audience is learning because we find learning so much more powerful when we come to the solution ourselves as an audience member. The, the learning that we have is so much more powerful and so much more ingrained than if the person on stage tells us the exact same thing. If in your workshops you can embrace the vulnerability of not really knowing 100% how this is going to work and actually allow that audience to ask questions and for you to respond in that sort of way, and it's more than just Q&A but you really start to facilitate knowing that you have the knowledge for that level of room. Let's see, what do you want? What can I answer for you? What do you want to get out of this session? And then you give them exactly what they want. It's very hard to fail. I just have to say, as you're sharing that, I just bursting to say, I know that happened to me the other day, exactly what you just said. And here, just to give a snapshot for, for people who are listening, I went to a, um, an event and the person who spoke, I was one of the keynote speakers and the person who spoke before that was about five or 10 minutes and she just ad-libbed it. And I thought, hmm, I don't want to go with a whole lot of notes and stuff like that. So what I did was exactly what you said. I said, this is what I wanted to share, but I really want to make sure it's useful to you. So what sort of questions do you have and I tell you what they came fast and thick I wrote them all down and then I just kind of started with my story and wove it all in and I encouraged people to I said if you've got a question or a concern ask because it was about podcasting and some of it's about technology and those are one of the things that if people are stuck they're just not going to move past if they've got a something that they're challenged with but exactly what you said people were engaged there was uh, communication the two two way and I tell you what I walked away from that thinking that was just so much better than had I gotten up 
the ins and outs, the ifs and buts and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, amazing, amazing result. It's and it's fascinating because you know when when people go to present a workshop and they're like I'm not sure what to tell them and the easiest way is well ask them ask. what they want and then mm -hmm. do that at the start of all my workshops I do exactly what you said I ask the audience to stand up introduce themselves and tell me what's the one thing you want and I start to create themes on a whiteboard and I put the themes down on the whiteboard and I basically say to the audience if I cover all of this during this workshop will you leave happy Mm -hmm. And they say yes. So now I know exactly what I have to do in the time frame I've got. I need to, if I can cover this stuff, they're going to walk out happy. They've just told me that. Exactly. And we've basically created a contract that says, Fraser, if you do that, we guarantee you will be happy. Mm -hmm. So that's easy. The only caveat to that is just making sure that you manage what's on the board. If they're, if you've got 90 minutes to work with a room and there's four hours worth of stuff that comes up on the board, then you need to manage that at the start and say, mm. look, this is probably too advanced. This is too simple. This is too long. I'll cover the rest of it. As long as you give them that at the start, all the expectations are set. So much easier for you to clear the bar of expectations when you know where the bar is. Yes. And what I found was very helpful and, and can hear you say through what you've just shared is that some of the content that you've already planned to share, you can pre-frame it in a way that uses their language in the way that they've set it up and asked so that you can say, well, this this question was, the, you know, what you asked here and this relates beautifully to it. So, and it really, then people are is listening because it's like, hey, he's going to answer my question. And that's how I found was really helpful too. It allowed me to pre-frame the information in a way that they asked that question. Yeah, and you're the expert in the room, Anne-Marie. So once you get good at this, but even before you're good at this, you can, you know, get a snapshot of the audience, what sort of level they're at, what sort of expertise they've got, and you can pretty much guesstimate 80% of what they're probably going to want to know mm. and be right most of the time. That's why we get asked to speak, because we're good at what we do. And that last 20% is just that icing on the cake that you can add for them to give them that extra value. But when you go in and say, this is the 90 minutes I'm going to present you and don't calibrate with your audience, 70 minutes of it might be right and 20 minutes might be off, whatever the numbers mm. are, you get that opportunity before you speak by talking to your audience in the foyer, but also when you start to calibrate one last time to make sure that you hit a home run. When you can do that, it just makes what do I do on stage so much easier because the audience just told you what they want. Fraser, you, you mentioned, you know, obviously a keynote where you would be delivering information and there's not that much opportunity for you to do an interact interaction. In the keynote presentation situation, you probably would not engage in this way or are you saying that in some instances you can because that's just going to take everything to that next level? It's a bit of a what I call a piece of string question, mm. Anne-Marie, and that there's a lot of different scenarios that can play out there. My answer is, if you ever get the chance to ask your audience, then ask your audience. But it doesn't have to be from stage. You can turn up at a conference early, mm -hmm. uh, chat to people at morning tea, all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of places you can gather information before you actually step up on stage. Yes. So you can do a lot of that calibration, and I would suggest to everybody, do as much as you can beforehand about really understanding who your audience is mm -hmm. and giving them what they want rather than what you think they want. That in itself, I think, is a huge lesson for all of us as businesses is one thing, presenting information. But if we don't know what our ideal clients are challenged with, what they're struggling with and what they're interested in learning, then we can bring them all sorts of tips and insights. They're just not going to be listening if they don't see any relevance 
to what we're saying. So I think you're absolutely right. If we don't know really what our audience expectations are before we speak or present at a workshop, we haven't done you know our homework or our pre-planning properly. So let's talk about why any business can run a great workshop and grow their business through running them. There are so many ways that businesses can leverage workshops and I think we've spoken through the day, sort of my definition of workshops, which is that two-way flow of information. And you can utilize them to cut down on your time, to leverage what you're doing. And there are three prime areas that businesses can utilize well-run workshops. And the first is as a client acquisition tool. And I see this an awful lot. People give a, a seminar rather than a workshop, a seminar on all the stuff we do, all the problems you've got and all the things that we can give you to solve those problems. Mm -hmm. Once again, if they tilt that ever so slightly to a two-way flow of information rather than a one-way, how awesome are we, you really should buy our stuff, you will get much greater conversion. So people can use a workshop in their business for that client acquisition level. But what I notice is that people are always worried about giving away too much. And in this day and age, it's, it, it seems to me to be getting harder and harder to give away too much in those short sessions. You want to add value to people so they can take action straight away, but also show them how much further they can go by utilizing your expertise. The second level that I, I see businesses can really utilize workshops in a much better way is, is what I call onboarding or an induction. So many of us, especially in a service-based industry, start with the similar sort of questions. The first couple of sessions are similar sort of things for all our clients. Now, in some businesses, you could bring all those clients together on the first Monday of every month, for instance, and have, your, have a mass induction or a mass onboarding at once, so you only deliver that information once a month rather than for 30 clients a month, you know, every day of the, of the month for the year. Mm -hmm. So you can utilize a workshop where you can get all that information across to the, to the people you need it to without having to take up a lot more time. And the third area that I see people could really leverage workshops is creating a monthly touch point. It's one of the things you do really well, Anne-Marie, with the podcasts. They, they come out on a regular basis. So people are getting those regular touch points from mm -hmm. you in your podcasts. And they can do the same thing by adding value to their, their, their regular clientele, either as extra things, things that aren't necessarily their area of expertise, but they bring in guest speakers who are, you know, also could be utilized, or they can just present more things from their business on a monthly basis. And I'm picking monthly at random, of course. It's a way of dealing with more people at once, which leverages your time as the business owner or manager or specialist to be able to do more things outside of your business so you can add more time to your family or your hobbies or you can do more things in your business because you're not having to spend as much time face to face but the clients still get the same amount of face-to-face -face time. And I think in, in today's market as well, being so many opportunities, so many different choices, new businesses coming into the marketplace every single day to offer something, as you said, maybe on a monthly basis, and it doesn't have to be in person, does it? It can be in person, but online. So you're still seeing a lot of your clients, they can still access that. But that's just another touch point, another way of really providing value. Even if you bring along a guest expert, to speak and share some information that you know is going to be of great value to your clients. Now imagine I, if I was a client and someone of service provider was doing that for me on a monthly basis, that would really keep them top of mind. Why would I want to leave? Because you know it really builds loyalty, doesn't it? 
It certainly does, Anne-Marie. And even from a cost perspective, if, if that's what you, you think is prohibitive, you can do this with other businesses. Mm. You know, So you go and talk at their business on their monthly thing and they come to yours and you create a little group of people who do that. Yes. And you're providing value to each other and, and keeping a lot of the costs in-house. But as you said, any return on investment that you get out of this is about keeping long-term clients and keeping them sticky so they want to stay with you. Because we've all heard that it's it's much cheaper to keep a client than it is to find new ones. Yet we all seem to be adamant on finding new clients permanently and sometimes at the cost of the, the clients we've got, just not spending enough time to keep them on board and, and keep them interested. Yesterday, you and I both attended a meeting and one of the conversations which uh, we were having across the table was about getting in front of people to be able to have an opportunity to connect and engage. Now, as you said, we've, we're busy often. Uh, there's a lot of competition, a lot of noise, a lot of clutter. If we can have an opportunity for 20 or 30 minutes whatever it might be, even 15 minutes to provide some value, many of our clients don't know that we have additional services or that we're able to support them in a different way. Now, we could provide incredible value they don't know what they don't yet know. So if we can educate them as to some of the other areas that they are struggling in and how we can support them through even some of our partner channels and so forth, that in itself is absolute, uh, I mean, you couldn't pay for that. If you've got that attention or opportunity to have that attention beyond you from your existing clients. Certainly, Anne-Marie. I mean, how much time do we always Googling stuff when, yeah. we, when we need an answer or we need, you know, we want to, we're happy to, to outsource them what we're going to do. Yes. We just don't know who to outsource it to, you know, and if we can save even the, the time of that, of all that research by just knowing that so-and-so has that, you know, because they were speaking at, a, at an event the weeks before, mm. we save each other a lot of time. The switch that's really happening, Anne-Marie, is it's about how do we add value to clients? Yes, as opposed to, you know, how do, how do I get, how do I upsell to clients? Mm-hmm. That will happen naturally if you are providing wonderful value. They will keep buying more of your stuff. Mm-hmm. When we lead with that client-centric attitude rather than business-first attitude, I suppose, I'm often amazed how quickly businesses turn around and grow when their focus is solely on how do I give these guys more value. Mm. Oh, absolutely. It always has to be value first. And I think in the day and age, it would particularly for many of the listeners who are service-based, so professional services providing expertise, you're providing value. Someone then recognises that, hey, this is a, you know, this person is a thought leader. I've never thought of, you know, that that particular topic in that way. It's a great solution. Who's going to, who are they going to think about when they are, have reached that point in their business or in their life where that pain point is just, they just can't stand it anymore. Because you've provided great value, you and consistent value, you'll be the person who will be top of mind when they're ready to, to take that conversation to the next level for sure. That's it. It's, it really is just about providing better and better services to, to our clients, both, both current and potential, um, and you know helping them solve the problem. Often solving the problem for them doesn't mean you have to physically solve it. If you introduce them to the person who solves mm-hmm. it, you've still solved it for them. And in their eyes, that's just as good. Yes. Just like these podcasts with Smart Connect, you're coming on board to the platform, providing your expertise 
and we're all winning because we're all benefiting and learning. You never get to that stage where you stop learning. I'm a true believer in that. So thank you so much once again for coming on the show. I know this is an area that you're an expert in and really helping people put together. You spoke earlier about having a good structure. Once we know that structure, we know all the components that are important to include in our workshop. It becomes so much simpler to be able to get the content out of our head into a structure that we know is going to provide value so that we can become top of mind, be seen as thought leaders to our ideal clients and existing clients as well. How can people get in contact with you uh, once they realize, yep, this is something that I need to learn more about? Uh, the easiest way, Anne-Marie, is to, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn or Facebook or at FraserYendel.com is the best place to, uh, to get in touch with me. Fantastic. Well, that brings us to the end of another show. Please reach out to Fraser. As you can tell, he's confident and he knows his stuff and can certainly help you take your speaking, your presenting and your workshops to that next level as you're growing your business. Now, if you would like to get in contact with Australia's foremost collective of business experts and thought leaders to SMEs, all you need to go to is www.ssba.net.au. That's ssba.net.au.